You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. Ah, uh, we are back in the saddle. Bowl season kicks off today with five great bowl matchups. The road to the 2017 College Football National Championship starts today. Brock and Rich Sermonello, this is what it's all about. Best time of the year. Bowls, college football playoff, nothing better. I agree. I mean, this is a fun weekend. Five games today. And, and you know, we I worry. I don't know if you do, but I worry about motivation for teams at this time. We have players that are deciding to skip bowl games. Teams, you know, Florida State playing Southern Miss uh, later in the bowl season. You worry about that today, though. You have some smaller school matchups Teams that are excited to have an opportunity to have a grand stage, Sunbelt teams like Troy and Arkansas State, Conference USA teams that we haven't focused on a lot this year like North Texas. So I think you'll see a lot of offense today, a lot of passion, and it's good to have football back after having just the Army-Navy game last weekend. And some under the radar players, so to speak, that maybe America hasn't heard about. We're going to get into them today. Sit back, relax. Rich and I have you covered for the next three hours. Great show on tap. 1024 will be joined by former Georgia Bulldog wide receiver Corey Allen. Get Corey's take about the SEC Bulls along with Georgia's matchup against Oklahoma at 11:24, we'll be joined by Wisconsin's fourth leading rusher Anthony Davis. We'll talk about Wisconsin's matchup with Miami in the Orange Bowl, and then at 10:39 and 11:39, we'll be joined by Fantasy Sports Game Time Game Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci. We'll get Gabe's best picks for today, and more importantly, later in the bowl season. But Rich, uh, when you look at the bowls, a lot of people say it's a watered-down product. I know we might differ in terms of that but you mentioned it quality matchups today some of these teams wouldn't have had the opportunity if there wasn't possibly 39 bowls in the 2017 season yeah listen i think the postseason is bloated i know you disagree i I think at some point we have to have a line of demarcation to me six and six should not qualify uh some of these teams today are beyond six and six and you know i I mean listen uh should a georgia state be in a bowl game at six and six (laughs) probably not Uh, i we, we had a year ago we've had in the past teams below 500 that are bowling i disagree with that i think we have watered down the product but for teams like troy and arkansas state and north texas with seth rattrell who's done a great job in denton I'd like to see them have this opportunity. I think it's great for the program. I think where I struggle sometimes is at 6-6 six and six or those Power 5 programs that are 6-6 six and six that, quite frankly, I don't think have earned it. Yeah, and when you look over the last few years, you mentioned those sub-500 teams. A couple of years ago, San Jose State, Nebraska got their bowl victories. Uh, you, you, so that's what makes the bowl season so special. Last year, Nick Fitzgerald and Mississippi State eked out a victory over Miami of Ohio to become 6-7 six and seven on the year. So uh, very intriguing matchups. I think when you look at it in terms of conference strengths, it really does determine which conferences played the tougher schedule throughout the year. Um, I, I think when you look at the matchups today as well, we have the Sun Belt, which a lot, a, a lot of people recognize or keep an eye out on, along with the Conference USA uh, uh, conference. So we'll see. When we get, come back, we'll be talking about the top players for the 2018 NFL Draft. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34.
Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com slash premium and learn more about our awesome product. On college football today, bowl season kicks off today with five great games. If you want to talk college football with us, give us a call, 844-843-6879. That's 844-843-6879. You could follow me on Twitter at Go for the Two. You could follow Rich on Twitter at Rich Sermonello. That's C-I-R-M-I-N-I-E-L-L-O. We saw Baker Mayfield last week hoist a Heisman for 2017. But Rich, there's been some very intriguing freshmen that have really jumped onto the stage this year that we're going to mention. A couple guys that I'm looking at that really came on at the end of the year. Running backs DeAndre Swift from Georgia and more importantly Cam Akers from Florida State. Over 900 rushing yards but really came on down the stretch. These are two freshmen you have to keep your eye out for 2018. It's an excellent point, and, and I love, I know it's 2017. I've already started to sneak ahead and look at 2018, and, and I really evaluate bowl games. Yeah, it, it's a reward for last season, this season, but it's also a sneak peek. It's a chance for us to analyze players for next season. Love DeAndre Swift. Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb will run out of eligibility, so he'll be the feature back for Georgia. And Cam Akers, not just a former five-star back who looked good at the end of the season, now he's going to be one of the signature players in a Willie Taggart offense that leans heavily on the run. He wants to set up the pass with the run. I think Cam Akers is going to be the guy who does that. Yeah, another couple running backs and one quarterback that I have in the mix as well. I want to get your thoughts on it. Travis Etienne from Clemson. I mean, a bulldozer leads that team with about 700 rushing yards, 13 rushing touchdowns. And Josh Jackson for Virginia Tech. I mean, he jumped out, had a very solid performance week number one against West Virginia. 19 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. I really feel that the bowl preparation will benefit him in his game against Oklahoma State. But under Justin Fuente's tutelage, he's a guy that in 2018... Could be a Heisman uh, candidate. Listen, Fuente has always had success with quarterbacks, whether it was as an assistant at TCU, whether it was as a head coach uh, at Memphis with a Paxton Lynch, with a Riley Ferguson, who's now excelling for Mike Norvell. And now you have Josh Jackson, who brings that run-pass option. You're right, he flashed early, had some problems later on in the season, but now as he goes into his second season with Justin Fuente... At a university that wants to establish a little more pop on offense, I think he'll play exceptionally well. How about keeping it in the ACC? How about A.J. Dillon of Boston oh. College? I mean, B.C. has always had really good running backs, and now I think they have their next big one in, uh, in Dillon. Yeah, and you think about some of the players that they've had there over the years. Andre Williams, a bulldozer type of back. 2,000-yard I mean, back. Yeah, right? without a doubt, that? and a blue-collar type of back. And, and when you look at Boston College's offense, they couldn't run the football consistently, and that really put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Anthony Brown struggled. A lot of those freshmen last year struggled and put a lot of pressure on the offensive line. Now that they're running the football consistently, should be a very intriguing battle in the pinstripe bowl against another blue-collar team in Iowa. Uh, I-, I agree with you. I think when you look at some of these backs, we can't forget J.K. Dobbins from Ohio. Jonathan Taylor of sure, Wisconsin, obviously. Sure. Yeah. But, but, but again, I think when you look at J.K. Dobbins as well, a lot of the players around him... 
now you look at Cam Akers' numbers with a, a beat-up offensive line. I mean, and he really came on down the stretch. That's not to take away from Dobbins. But again, I think when you look at pure athleticism and what yeah. they're able to do in terms of the offensive line, those are the couple backs that I'm looking at. Listen, I, I think Akers has the potential to be a 1,500, 1,600-yard back. He'll now have more support in 2018 at quarterback with DeAndre Francois coming back uh, for another season. He'll be healthy. James Blackman will be back as well. But Akers between the tackles is so physical, and yet when he gets to that second gear, he could take off and really extend beyond the defense. And and how about defensively? A couple of players that stood out for me, Joe. Greedy Williams, defensive back of LSU. And Josiah Scott is a player, true freshman from Michigan State, was all Big Ten caliber in his first season out of high school. And, And that is the sort of the philosophy of Michigan State. Let's take players that are two-star, three-star players. I think about Darquez Denard from Michigan State. Mark D'Antonio and his staff do a great job of coaching up sort of in-between talents, and Josiah Scott is really the next big thing in the Michigan State secondary. And when you saw Michigan State take a step back last year at three and nine, it is because they're getting two and three-star recruits, so when you have a four-year starter at the quarterback position like Connor Cook, the transition isn't as smooth at Ohio State, at Michigan. Great point. Yeah, D'Antonio coached that talent up, and they have a very intriguing bowl game as well, going up against Mike Leach and Washington State. It is a contrast in styles, even though Michigan State was able to move the football through the air this year with Lewerke. So I'm intrigued about these bowl yeah. matchups. I, I think when you look at the quarterback position in, in terms of translating it to the next level, the, the we mentioned Baker Mayfield. I told you last week, he reminds me of a raw Drew Brees yeah. in, in terms of his size, his ability. I think Drew Brees was a more pocket uh, polished pocket passer in terms of reading coverage, but you can't argue from the fact that he did have back-to-back years where he completed over 70% of his passes, and you can look at Deshaun Watson, three straight years of 67% completion percentage, that, that was better than Eli Manning, better than Peyton Manning, better than Big Ben and Aaron Rodgers in college, and people were shocked about the progression of Deshaun Watson. Well, Baker Mayfield, from a completion perspective, uh, percentage has really uh, upstaged Deshaun Watson in terms of that. And and think about, too, if you watch tape of Baker Mayfield, and I know you have, we're not talking about, you know, little passes out into the flat. I mean, he takes a lot of shots downfield. This is the best deep ball passer that we have in the country. So he's accurate, but he's also accurate on intermediate routes, on long balls. I would draft him. Now, I understand there's some off-field issues. I think there's a lot of maturity that has to take place. I don't care about the height because we've seen shorter quarterbacks. You mentioned Drew Brees, Russell Wilson. Shorter quarterbacks have succeeded in the NFL. I think Baker Mayfield will as well. But to me, he's a winner. I I think he can galvanize an organization. I think he can really take hold of an entire community. I think he could be the face of a franchise. I would take the risk of Baker Mayfield, would you? I would take him, but I wouldn't take him in the first 10 picks or the, or even the second round. I really wouldn't just because of the Big 12 landscape in terms of defenses. I look at uh, Tyrod Taylor and I see that if he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL and we see the success of Deshaun Watson, I'd be all in on Lamar Jackson. Now, you, Lamar Jackson completed 60% of his passes, 3,489 yards, 25 passing touchdowns. He also rushed for 1,443 yards, Rich. Did add another 17 touchdowns. Heisman Trophy winner last year. He was a runner-up this year, but he became a better pocket passer with 10 or 15 pounds of muscle. 
I think Lamar Jackson has more potential in terms of upside than Baker Mayfield, so he'd be my top 10 pick. But it's because of his athleticism and his ability to put pressure on opposing defenses on the perimeter. I mean, Lamar is interesting. I, I, I think the, the potential is there. The risk is there that he's a sure. great college quarterback who doesn't translate well to the NFL. I, I've thought about RG3 the whole time. I yeah. mean, that, that's the kind of player when I look about, when I look at the physique, he's long, he's narrow. I worry about whether or not he can pack on another 10 or 15 pounds. Now, he did make strides this season as a passer, will continue at the next level. I'm assuming he declares early. Yeah, I would think so I think after, he this, bowl after game. this season. And kudos to you, by the way. I thought Will Greer was going to be a part of this discussion too. Will Greer's going back for 2018, which I think is a good move. Yeah, excellent. But I think in 2019, Will Greer, we could be talking about as a, a potential first-round draft Sure, choice. 34 touchdown passes. So, I mean, uh, with those Before weapons... Before getting hurt. Now, right? Justin right. Crawford will move on uh, from the program, but again, from a scheme perspective, they averaged over 330 passing yards per game, and from Will Greer, you're number one in the system. I mean, he went from... He went from from Florida, he did sit out a year, but again, in terms of game experience and game preparation, this was his first year with yeah. all new weapons, so I think 2018 is going to be a dynamic yes. year for Will Greer. I think when you look at some of the other quarterbacks, a lot of mention of Josh Rosen, he can make every throw. When you break down Rosen and Darnold, for me, I would take Sam Darnold over Josh Rosen in a heartbeat because we talk about intangibles. You look at uh, Sam Darnold now leading his team to a Pac-12 championship, 10 wins. He led them to a Rose Bowl uh, victory over Penn State, 10 wins. Josh Rosen hasn't elevated the Bruins in any way, shape, or form. I agree. I, I think we're on the same page when it comes to these two Pac-12 quarterbacks. If I have to take one, I'm taking Darnold. Having said that, I kind of think Rosen goes higher. He will. He I, probably I will. I think NFL GMs and scouts are going to be fascinated by the arm talent. Nobody makes better throws at this level right now than Josh Rosen. But I agree with you. I don't know if he's passionate about football. I really don't. I, I don't know if he loves being a football player. I get that sense in Sam Darnold. So maybe a cut below in terms of arm talent, but you're right. He has those intangibles. He could be a winning quarterback, could be a Super Bowl-style quarterback. Do you have any concerns about the struggles that USC quarterbacks have had at the NFL, the Mark Sanchez's, the Matt Leinert's? Do you have any concerns about those quarterbacks and what they could do? Yeah, you would have to say that. I mean, again, look at Oklahoma quarterbacks as well. Sam Bradford, I mean, he's a pedestrian quarterback, middle-of-the-road quarterback, won the Heisman Trophy, top-flight pick, hasn't cut it. You could look at UCLA quarterbacks as well. Cade McNown never cut it in the NFL. Uh, when you're breaking this group down, though, I think it is it's like splitting hairs in terms of that. But again, from an intangible perspective, Darnold, to me, is a winner. He's a yeah. gutty quarterback. So we'll see. That's why we have these discussions. When we come back, we'll be breaking down the North Texas-Troy matchup. New Orleans Bowl up next. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Studio 34. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, 
or download the Fancy Sports Radio Network app. The Fancy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free 24-7, 365 Fancy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fancy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. The New Orleans Bowl kicks off today's action. Solid matchup. North Texas at 9-4. Troy at 10-2. This is a North Texas team that has a solid quarterback in Mason yep. Fine. And when you look at their four losses, Rich, earlier in the year to Iowa and SMU, those losses came in the month of September. Their other two losses in 2017 to Conference USA champ FAU. I'm loving the Mean Green. I think they can put pressure on Troy's defense vertically, and I think it's a high-scoring game. Mean Green win 34-30 to in this uh, ballgame. High-scoring, I it, agree. I, I like Troy. I just think they're a more complete football team. Uh, North Texas's defense, I love Mason Fine, and I, and I really like Seth Luttrell. In fact... This is a good game. We're going to watch the players. Good game to watch the coaches, too, because Latrell and Neil Brown at Troy, two young coaches, upwardly mobile, thought there was a shot they could have been sort of poached by one of the Power Five teams. So I think it's good news for both of these programs that they have their head coaches in place for 2018. North Texas can get it done offensively. Jalen Guyton on the outside, Mason Fine, no Jeffrey Wilson out of the backfield, which hurts. Troy's offense really disappointed me this year. I expected more from Brandon Silvers and Jordan Chun. They didn't get it turned up. But, Joe, this could be the kind of defense where Troy gets to ratchet it up much better defensively, Troy. I like the Trojans to win this game and cover. This is one of my better best bets of the yeah, day. Yeah, this is one of my better best bets for the day. I like North Texas. A couple of factors. You mentioned the defense of North Texas. They're giving up around 203 rushing yards on the ground, giving up close to 270 passing yards through the air. And you mentioned the uh, inefficiency of Troy's offense. They're only averaging 150 yards on the ground with Chun. He does have uh, 10 rushing touchdowns around 766 rushing yards on the year. But Brandon. Silvers is a solid quarterback. Now, this offense has averaged close to around 245 passing yards per game, but Silvers has only thrown 13 touchdowns, six interceptions. This is a Troy team that did win six games down the stretch, Rich. Those opponents did have a combined overall record of 24 and 46, or 342 winning percentage. They dominated those opponents by 22.3 points per game, but North Texas, to me, has playmakers. They have a veteran wide receiver core, Guyton, Lawrence, and Busey that have combined for 146 total receptions, 18 passing touchdowns, and I do feel that Fine is the better quarterback here. He's completed around 65% of his passes, 28 touchdowns. To me, I think it's an up-tempo offense, putting the pressure on that defense, and more importantly, Brandon Silvers to match them score for score, and that's why I like North Texas in this ballgame. You know who Fine reminds me of, keeping it in the group of five? Who do you? Who? who? Uh, UC 
UCF's Mackenzie Milton. I was going to say Riley Ferguson. I thought okay. you were going to go All with right. a little bit. I, I see a little bit of uh, Mackenzie Milton. Shorter quarterback, accurate, not the strongest arm, but knows how to fit the ball into tight windows. So I'm really eager to, to have three, three and a half hours just to watch this kid, which we're never going to get that opportunity sure. during the regular season. Let's not forget, Troy beat LSU earlier this season. I know it was an LSU team that still hadn't found its sea legs, really didn't find their rhythm under Ed Orgeron, but enough talent to beat a major SEC program. 36 sacks this season, Troy, which I really love their ability to get pressure, maybe fluster Mason fine. And again, I'll go back to that North Texas defense. I have a hard time championing a team that is only offensively driven you know they're allowing almost five yards a carry that'll benefit Jordan Sean 105th nationally in third down stop so it might be a shootout for a while but at some point I think Troy's going to be able to grind out yards wear down that defense it's a smallish defense that lacks depth it's one of the worst conference USA defenses so Troy better balance more veterans offensively I think that'll be enough to get the victory we're battling here because I, yeah uh, I was yeah, surprised you like yeah, North Texas well, that much. here's the thing I think you have to take a look which conference do you feel is better now uh, you look at this ball game last year Southern it's Miss close. with Nikki Mullins to yeah. get the victory over uh, the Raging Cajuns 28-21 to last year. For me, I look at North Texas as well. I mean, they beat a team in Southern Miss. They beat another team in La Tech, UAB, and Army. All four of those teams were bowl eligible. I think from a speed perspective, North Texas does have the edge. Now, defensively, you mentioned it. Troy, solid. They're only giving up 116 rushing yards per game, and they're very physical at the point of attack in the, de- in the trenches with their defensive tackle. So I think that's the matchup. If North Texas can spread them wide, open up running lanes, even though Wilson won't play in this ball game, again, from the production standpoint, when you have an up-tempo offense, you're going to get your yards, especially when you have a veteran wide receiver core. Yeah, I mean they're going to have to they're going to have to protect Mason Fine because sure. if Mason Fine is not able to deliver and play to his potential, it's lights out. I mean, this will be a blowout much like it was against FAU. The issue that I have if, if for North Texas, not only does Troy have 36 sacks this year, Baron Poole, Jamal Statham up front, you mentioned the tackles, do a good job of shooting the gaps, but North Texas offensive line has allowed 33 sacks, so it's a strength versus weakness at the point of attack. I think Troy is going to be able to flex its muscles, and again, you know, Troy has been frustrated this year. Neil Brown is an offensive coach. He's an up-tempo coach. You know, he's coached in places like Kentucky where he ran sort of an air raid offense. So he has to be frustrated by their inability to open up offensively this year. I think this is the way they make a statement. It's a final exclamation point to 2017. Silver's in his final game. Jordan Chun. I think they have big afternoons and really just really just outgun North Texas today. Yeah, we'll see because we mentioned the injury and, and to Wilson for North Texas. Multiple injuries uh, and players out for Troy Brown and Witherspoon. Two defensive backs for that defensive unit can find, exploit that secondary in that match 
matchup and three wide receivers led by Quisenberry and Eford are out for Troy. So from a wide receiver depth, that might put a lot of pressure on Chun in that offensive line. And more importantly, Brandon Silvers in third down and long situations if he doesn't have his weapons, especially if you're playing from behind. And I think this is an intriguing game because it is a contrast in styles. I don't think Troy has the type of offense to get into a shootout with North Texas because I think that that would really benefit the mean green in this ballgame. I think you look for a lower scoring, blue collar, methodical type of game. Keep fine on the sidelines. We'll see how they can do it. I do feel it is high scoring because I feel North Texas will look to start fast and that'll put the pressure on Troy. They might get some late touchdowns, but I think I think North Texas wins this ballgame. Wins it outright. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And again, I, I think the focus for fans will be not just on the player personnel, but the coaches. If you're looking to kind of scout for your program, your athletic director, who are some of the young rising coaches, Neil Brown for Troy, Seth Luttrell, former fullback at Oklahoma. These are two coaches that I think in the next year or two, Joe, will be coaching at Power 5 programs. They might have been on some short lists, didn't get jobbed right away, but Seth Luttrell, Seth Luttrell in particular, just two seasons at Denton, one of the hardest programs to succeed at. He has done a remarkable job, and if he gets a victory today, as you're predicting, that'll really be a catapult into 2018 for the Mean Green. Yeah, it's a great game. It starts at 1 o'clock. It is in the Superdome, so keep an eye out for that. We'll turn our attention to the Cure Bowl. Very intriguing battle. Georgia State and Connor Manning going up against Western Kentucky and quarterback Mike White. I think when you look at this matchup as well, another contrast in styles because Georgia State only averaging 19 points per game. Western Kentucky has a one-dimensional offense, rushing for 66 yards on the ground, passing for 333 through the air. Mike White, a solid quarterback, didn't put up the type of numbers that he did in 2017, but still completing 64% of his passes, over 3,800 passing yards with 24 touchdowns. These are the defending Conference USA champs sitting at 6-6. Six and six. I think Western Kentucky dominates this ballgame. Yeah, I, I have Western Kentucky winning and covering this game. I think it's about 6.5 last time I looked. I, I think they'll cover. I think Georgia State's out of its league. Having said that, very disappointed by the Hilltoppers yes. this year. And, and as I watched Western Kentucky throughout the season and I watched Mike White and that offense, you know who I had a growing respect for, who I respect anyway? Jeff Brom. Jeff Brom. That you could stop right there. That's exactly that's exactly where I was going because last year Western Kentucky was an absolute juggernaut with a lot of the same personnel. I mean, obviously there's some turnover. You lost some running backs. Anthony Wales was hard to replace, but this looked like a different team. I expect more long-term out of Mike Sanford. I think he's a talented young coach, former Notre Dame assistant. But during the season, Western Kentucky really struggled. No quality wins. They allowed 42 sacks. They have 10 sacks on defense, and they've allowed 42. That's a differential of 32 sacks. So this is a very incomplete, inconsistent team. Georgia State will come in motivated. This is a big deal, whereas Western might be a little bit disappointed this season, 6-6. Six and six. At 6-5 six and five in bowling in Orlando, Georgia State is fired up. I just don't think they have the personnel at the end of the day. Western wins this game because of Mike White, because of Nicarius Fant and that passing game. That's the one sector of this game I can count on. 
There's not a lot else, though, that I could really bank on in this game. Yeah, Western Kentucky did lose four of the last five, but over the last three games, they held opposing offenses to 134 rushing yards per game. You mentioned Georgia State. They're 5-1 and one this year on the road uh, against opponents uh, or a neutral field site, Rich. Their only loss did come in Happy Valley to Penn State. They lost that ball game 56 to nothing. But Slackers. Th- yeah, but those five wins came against opponents with a combined overall record of 12-48 and 48 overall or a 200 winning percentage. And when you look at Connor Manning and that offense, they can't run the football consistently. They're only averaging right in the area of about 125 rushing yards on the ground. They're passing for 270 through the air. Defensively, though, is where I have concerns. Georgia State giving up 242 passing yards per game. They only have 18 sacks. I think this is a very high-scoring game. I'm going on record. I love Western Kentucky, but I also love the over here, over 53-and-a-half, very high-scoring. Mike White goes out in style with a big day in the Cure Bowl. Well, I know for a fact there are NFL scouts who will be watching this game, and they're specifically watching Mike White. Mike knows this, so it's an opportunity for him to showcase his skills at the next level. Rich and I both like Western Kentucky. It is a 4:30 kick in the Cure Bowl. When we come back, we'll be breaking down the other three bowls Today, Oregon and Boise State on deck. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonella live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. and rolling week one of the bowls we talked about the first two at one and 430 we're going to talk about the las vegas bowl oregon and mario cristobal justin herbert taking on brett ripon cozart and the crew should, should be a very intriguing matchup i like boise state here i'm not buying all in with the broncos but i think they get the victory later today now, yeah, I, I like Oregon. I, I mean, it's not a best bet for me. I am taking Oregon to cover. A lot of it's based on emotion and Justin Herbert. We saw what Oregon looked like with their starting quarterback under center this season. They were 6-1. and one. They averaged almost 50 points a game in those games. I, and I don't think that'll happen against Boise State. Boise State is generally solid defensively, but I haven't loved these Broncos. I mean, the fact that they have flipped back and forth in terms of quarterbacks. You mentioned uh, Rippon and Cozart. Alexander Madison, their top running back, is not healthy. Now, I love Cedric Wilson. And again, one of the ways I watch these games is with an eye towards 2018 because for Joe and I, there is no offseason. We'll be breaking down players as soon as this season ends. But I also look at in terms of the NFL draft, and Cedric Wilson is the kind of kid who can take the top off the defense. I love the matchup that he'll have against the Oregon secondary, but the emotion of Cristobal, because these Ducks players, they lobbied for him to be the successor to Willie Taggart. Now it's put up or shut up. 
prove it for your coach that he was the right choice. So I'm eager to see Oregon play in this setup. Yeah, that's a great point. I think there is some sort of transition. Even though Cristobal's been on the staff, he's been coaching the offensive lineman, now you're the head coach, you take on more responsibility. And what is that transition? There's going to be pressure on Cristobal to really win this game. And how does he coach in terms of that? How is the play calling uh, without you know their head coach, Willie Taggart, there? Bowl preparation might be different from Taggart to Cristobal. He did coach at Florida International. You mentioned Madison banged up. He probably won't play in this game from what I've heard. Royce Freeman is out, yeah. decides not to play for Oregon, so that's a big blow to the Ducks offense, but here's what I look at when I break this game down uh, from a matchup perspective. If Oregon jumps up early on Boise State, it's going to be a long day. Boise State needs to run the football to keep that high-powered Oregon offense on the sidelines, and I think the way they can do it is with the mobility of their quarterback, Kozart, utilizing them in pistol formations, much the way they did earlier in the year against New Mexico. He could put pressure on Oregon's defense on the perimeter and really take ball time-consuming drives to keep the Ducks' offense off the side on the sidelines, and that's why I like the Broncos. I, I still think... I want to say in the middle of like a, a high-scoring 28-24 game, I don't think it's blowout city 45-40 in this ballgame. Yeah, and, and Boise State is tough up the middle, too. I, I, I mean, I'm curious to see... I love the chess matches that exist because no Royce Freeman, that hurts. He's one of the top backs in the country. But for Oregon, it's now an opportunity for the backups to step up. And Oregon has always been deep at running back. Uh, Kenny Benoit has been a terrific back off the bench averaging more than seven yards a carry this year. Tony Brooks-James as well. So they're deep at running back now. Those kids have an opportunity. Instead of getting seven or eight carries in a game, they're now going to be getting 15 to 20 touches. And again, I think this is going to be the Justin Herbert show. We got just a, a hint of his potential early in the season. He was dynamic, both as a passer and as a runner. Now he gets an opportunity on a big stage against a quality defense in Las Vegas to really sort of uh, kind of set a foundation for 2018. We talked a little bit about you know young players, Justin is a sophomore, young players who could really take flight in 2018, and, and I think he has an opportunity to do that, and it begins today in Las Vegas. Yeah, here's a couple of points that I want to bring up in, in regards to this matchup. You look at Boise State defensively, they're forcing turnovers this year. They enter this matchup, plus 12 in turnover margin, and they do have 30 total sacks as a defensive unit. You look at Oregon, minus one in turnover margin, but we've seen in recent years teams that have played there throughout the year. Mountain West Conference teams, we saw San Diego State step up against Greg Ward Jr. and Houston last year. Boise State's played in this stadium before. They've played in this bowl game before. And they did not have a good performance against Baylor last year. I think there's a lot of pressure on their head coach and this team overall to come into this ball game focused and that's why I'll take the better defense. To me, they played a, a very blue-collar game in the Mountain West Championship game against Fresno State. Yeah. I was very impressed. Even though the game was at home, they stepped up from a physicality perspective. It's Boise State. I mean, I think they're always going to be well-coached, even though I don't think Brian Harson has done a great job. I don't think he's followed that lineage of Chris Peterson particularly well. They did finally win a championship right. again this year against Fresno State. But to me, this is a marginal Boise State team. There's not a lot of star power. 
power outside of Cedric Wilson. They're, they're again, tough in the middle with David Moa. Linebackers are good, but it's more of a scrappy bunch. I think Oregon has the better athletes. And I'll take a look, Joe, at the defensive side of the ball because we talked a lot of offense, Herbert, uh, Royce Freeman, and his successors. But Oregon has some really quality next-level type players on defense who I think can outspeed the Boise State front. I'm talking about Jalen Jelks off the edge. Really looks like he has a lot of potential. Troy Dye at linebacker. Justin Hollins at linebacker. It's not a great defense. Jim Levitt you know, is on his way out. Looks like he's headed to Florida State with Willie Taggart. So I don't expect a great defensive showing, but a lot of speed on defense. And watch Jalen Jelks around the edge. He could cause a lot of problems for Rippon and Cozart. Yeah, I see this area, like I said, 28-24 to 24 overall. I don't think it's a high-scoring ball game, but I do feel Boise State ekes out an upset win here. I like the mobility of, of Cozart, Rippon. You mentioned Cedric Wilson. You see this as a high-scoring matchup? Yeah, I, I think this game could get into the 30s. I worry about Boise State's ability, but it is against the Oregon defense, yeah. so there should be an opportunity to score. I, I could see this being in the neighborhood of a 37-28 uh, to 28 Oregon victory. I think at the end of the day, it comes down to emotion for their new head coach, Mario Cristobal, and Justin Herbert. I think he's going to be the star of the day. Yeah, we'll see. In contrast in style, so that's what you want to see. It should be a beautiful day in Las Vegas, and Mount West teams usually travel well, so yeah. Boise State should be well represented in this ballgame. Another intriguing battle later today is Marshall and Colorado State. You have Doc Holliday and their quarterback, Chase Linton, taking on Nick Stevens, Mike Bobo, Izzy Matthews, Dawkins, Michael Gallup at the wide receiver position from a talent perspective, a lot of playmakers on both sides of the ball for each team. Mike Bobo and the crew did not step up last year. They lost the Idaho Bowl to Linehan and the Vandals. I think they rebound, though. I see way too much offense out of the Rams. I think they get this victory by 17 points or more. Yeah, I, listen, I like Colorado State, but as the week progressed and we put our picks in, I, I started to cool a little bit, only because as I drilled down on Colorado State, they have not been a great bowl team recently. Right. They have not been a good team against the spread in the second half of the season. I think one in five over the, la the last six games against the spread. And, you know, Mike Bobo's done a good job, but not this season. I don't think he coached up that talent. They have, to me, significantly better talent, especially on offense, compared to Marshall. Marshall is a defense first team yes they do have chase linton but defensively the thundering herd has done a good job this year but to joe's point i like nick stevens i love michael gallup who might be one of the two or three best wide receivers in the country a bolitnikoff finalist right. this year to prove that out and you've got two running backs you've got a two-headed backfield in izzy matthews and dalen dawkins this offensive line we talk about skill position players eight sacks allowed this year so this offense should have success against Marshall, but I want to see some consistency out of the Rams. I want to see this team play up to its potential. I'm going to bank on it today and take Colorado State, but I have to admit, I'm getting a little bit nervous as uh, kickoff time approaches. Well, I think the one thing that it, when you break this game down, it does come down to the Marshall defense. I mean, rock solid in run support. They're holding opposing offenses to 125 rushing yards on the ground and solid in the secondary, right in the area of about 215 passing yards per game. So again, they're going to want to dictate tempo, run the football, work off a of play action with uh, their quarterback, Chase Linton. And the one thing that Doc Holliday has done in bowl games, he always has his teams prepared. They got the yeah. victory uh, 
a couple of years ago over UConn in the St. Petersburg Bowl. So uh, a physicality perspective is what Marshall brings. When when you look at the, the defensive inefficiencies for Colorado State, they cannot stop the run. They couldn't do it last year. And this year they're giving up right around 190 rushing yards per game. So if Marshall can run the football and keep Nick Stevens on the sidelines, they can win this ball game. Yeah. I think the one thing that I like, though, from Mike Bobo that he always had as offensive coordinator at Georgia and he's brought here is offensive balance. They're rushing for over 200, passing for over 200. So they're never out of a ball game offensively. And I go back to that performance in Tuscaloosa earlier in the yeah. year where they put up 24 points on that Alabama defense. That was a solid out, uh, in, uh, output offensively earlier in the year when Alabama had no injuries. Alabama was forced to have a players-only meeting, if you remember, the Monday after playing Colorado State. That's how good the Rams were in that matchup. So there's a lot of talent here. Love the offensive talent. I agree with your points. Defensively, not a lot to boast about. And you know, I feel like I'm talking myself out of Colorado State, but but you mentioned Doc Holliday. I'll go further back. This is a program, Marshall, in terms of the postseason, nine wins in their last ten games. They've won four scary. straight points. It's kind of scary, especially when they're getting points. But nine and one in the postseason in their last ten games, four straight. So Marshall tends to be ready. But I just think I just think that Colorado State finally puts it together. Too much offensive firepower. Marshall against FBS opponents with a winning record this year, Joe, 0-5. So their record is largely built on weaker opponents. I'll take Colorado State but I, I wouldn't be shocked if this is a competitive game late. And you look at the lineage from both of these programs. Guys like Joey Porter back in the day at the linebacker position. We saw Wiggins a couple of years ago with Jim McElwain and uh, Garrett Grayson. And when you look at Marshall yeah. overall, Chad Pennington, Randy Moss, and my favorite Byron uh, my favorite Marshall running back, Doug Chapman, that played for Minnesota. One of my so, former co-workers, Doug. Was he really? He sure really. was. Wow. Yeah. When we come back, we'll be talking about the other bowl game t- uh, today and the uh, games later. Later in the week, keep it where it is. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Studio 34. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. And rolling into the best picks for the day and the later in the week. Let's start it right out. A game that we haven't spoken about, but we'll break it down a little bit later in the show. La Tech and Skip Holtz taking on SMU and Sonny Dykes. I'm taking the five points. I like the Bulldogs here. Skip Holtz, last three wins with La Tech in bowl situations. I think the Bulldogs get the outright win. Uh, not a best bet, but I agree. I went back and forth on this game. I like the offensive firepower of SMU. Love that receiver combination of Cortland Sutton and Trey Quinn, which we will get into a little bit later on. But in terms of coaching stability, you know, Skip Holtz has been there, knows that personnel. 
I, it's a very curious decision for Sonny Dykes to be coaching this team. I think it'll benefit the 2018 squad because he gets a first look at the talent he's inheriting. But man, oh man, he's had like what a week or two to get ready with this team. I, I just don't understand <laughs> I, it. I, I, I'll take La Tech. I wouldn't be shocked if they win it. Yeah, outright. we'll we'll break that game down in the second hour. Another game we're going to break down in the second hour is Middle Tennessee State and Arkansas State. Not a best pick of mine, but I like the Red Wolves with their quarterback Justice Hanson. This is one of your better selections. I, I think it might be my favorite pick of the day, or the one I'm most confident in would be Arkansas State. Middle Tennessee State has not been the same since losing their star wide wide receiver Richie James. Brent Stock still has been mediocre without his best weapon. Arkansas State, by the way, very balanced offensively. You mentioned Han- uh, Hanson, Javon Rollin-Jones on defense. Far better talent. I like the Red Wolves in this game. And a blue-collar physicality that I just don't think Middle Tennessee State can match score for score or in the trenches. That's why I like Arkansas State as well. One of my better selections. Possibly this is them and Western Kentucky, but I love North Texas today to get the outright win. I think their offense puts pressure on Troy's defense and more importantly Troy's offense with their quarterback Brandon Silvers to match them score for score. I think it's high scoring but North Texas does get the outright win later today. It's fun when we go head to head and we're going head to head in the New Orleans Bowl. I, I like Troy. I like the two better Sunbelt teams today in Troy and Arkansas State. I just think the Trojans are a more complete football team. I think they'll grind out yards on the ground with Jordan Chun just wear out a mealy North Texas defense. So, yeah, some offensive firepower for the Mean Green. Not enough to keep up with Troy. I'll take the Trojans. Yeah, next game is Georgia State in Western Kentucky. We broke it down. Georgia State 5-1 and one on the road. Those five opponents have a combined overall record of 12-48 and 48 or 200 winning percentage. Western Kentucky has the better quarterback in Mike White and more importantly has the better recruits. Back-to-back Conference USA championships. Yeah. I like Western Kentucky to dominate here. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be close early on. I, I, Georgia State might have the emotion to stay with Western Kentucky. I, I would have liked Georgia State if they had the same secondary as last year. This was a team that played very well against the pass. This year, that has not been the case, and I think that's going to cause problems. Now, I don't love Western Kentucky as a unit this year. I think they underachieved. They really hamstrung Mike White until he was able to start calling plays on his own. Mike White in the passing game is the one thing I can count on in this matchup, so I'll take Western Kentucky as well. But I need to see more, particularly Joe, pass protection. Again, 42 sacks allowed this year. Georgia State has had almost a month to prepare. I expect to see some blitz packages, something that forces Mike White to make plays on the run. Yeah, well, that's why I like the over as well. You mentioned the sack total of Western Kentucky. They only have 10 total sacks. Georgia State only has 18 total sacks. They're negative six in turnover margin as well, so that's why I like Western Kentucky. But I really like the over here as well. I think it'll be points at a premium. I see Mike White attacking that Georgia State defense that's given up 242 passing yards per game and when you look at the strength of Georgia State's offense with their quarterback Connor Manning they're averaging 270 passing yards per game so I expect both quarterbacks to move the football we both like Western Kentucky but I'm going up top I like the over as well when we come back we'll be breaking down UAB in Ohio Joe Lisi and Rick Sermonella live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Studio 34 